Morning. Uh, good morning. Welcome to this gathering of Anchor Church. Um, my name is Joe. It's your first time with us. I'm one of the pastors here for Anchor, and it's just a, a great uh, privilege and, and honor for me uh, to be able to come before you and, and to, to open God's Word with you today as we um, remember uh, Advent, um, as, as, we, as, we, as we recognize uh, the incarnation of Jesus and the great hope that we have in Him. Um, it's so great to see all the kids in here, too, and just for all you little guys, um, just I want you all to feel uh, relaxed. I'm probably more nervous than you are, so just relax. It's, it's going to be great. Um, you know, you got to move around. That's okay. It won't distract me. Um, but it's really great to have you all in here um, with us as we as we hear from God's word. And that, and as a church, that it's important for us to know whether we're we're young or old, um, that, that God does have something to say to us in His word. And so I just invite you to listen for what God would have to say to you. Um, today as we get started. So I'm going to pray and ask God to help us in that, and then, and then we'll begin. Uh, Father, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for your everlasting love. Thank you that um, you are the one who has, who has made the promise to save us. You're the one who has, has fulfilled your promise, and you're the one who has promised to return again, to take us to be with you uh, forever, and that you have promised to make all things new. So, Lord, as we come here today in the middle of a broken world, um, we just ask, Lord, that, that you would speak to us, uh, that we would have our minds and our hearts and our eyes fixed on you, that we would know uh, the, the, the hope of your salvation. And, Lord, I just pray for any here who doesn't know you, who hasn't turned from their sins and turned to you and found your mercy and your grace. I just pray that they would hear that you are a good and loving Father, and that you welcome them, you invite them to come to you. And for all of us, Lord, I just pray that we would hear what you have for us to, to hear as your people. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so, so earlier this year, there was a, a time when uh, they said, the, the news said that the, the northern lights, the aurora borealis, was going to be visible from the Seattle area. So that was something that I've seen 10 or so years ago by myself, without my family. Um, and it was an amazing experience, and so I wanted my kids to have this experience if possible. So we decided that we were going to go try to look for the Northern Lights. And so we got in the car at about 10.30 p.m. on a Friday night, and we drove like way out to, I don't even know, we just, I just started driving out trying to find, get away from the city lights. Um, and we ended up into this uh, parking in this, next to this field, not in the field, next to a field, a farmer's field, out in uh, Skagit Valley. And then we sat, and we were facing the north, and we sat in the car, and then we got out of the car, and we kind of ran around, you know, doing stuff. Um, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited, and we never saw the aurora borealis. A couple times we saw something that we thought might be, but it wasn't. Um, and it was an amazing, wonderful evening, and we drove home at like 1.30 a.m. or 2 or something ridiculous, and everybody was excited, and we had a great time. Um, but the whole time that we were sitting there waiting, I kept thinking, uh-oh, if we don't see it, if it doesn't happen, somebody's going to be disappointed, and they're going to, you know, not have a great time riding home when they're, when they're super tired. There was something in me as a dad that I wanted to make, I, I was really wanted to, the promise that I had made to my kids, I wanted that to be fulfilled. I didn't promise them that they'd see it, but I said, let's go look for it. Um, but we sat out there in the darkness of the field, and we waited. Um, and I don't know about you guys, 
But waiting is not something that I naturally love to do. Do you love to naturally wait for something? No. no most of us don't. Uh, and much less waiting in the dark, where we don't know what's actually going on around us, where we can't see, uh, maybe there's something scary over here, or maybe, you know, we don't know. Um, and and that, that experience of waiting in the darkness is something that apart from the incarnation of Jesus, apart from what we're celebrating, um, not just during Advent or Christmas, but every, every day of our lives as, as people who have, who have turned from our sin and turned to Jesus, but that, that, that concept of waiting in the darkness is something that all of us, that's our natural situation apart from the incarnation of Jesus. Um, and so today I want to look at, at a passage in, in the first chapter of Luke, a couple passages actually, um, that talk about that waiting and the waiting that God's people um, were doing for, for hundreds of years. Um, and so, so let's go to Luke chapter 1. Um, and, and I would also just say, as we get started, if, if you only hear one thing today, I'll say it at the beginning so that if you can't listen the rest of the time that, that you don't miss it. If you only hear one thing today, I hope that the thing that you walk away with today is, is a, a re- realization and an understanding and, a, and a, a belief that there is a hope, that no matter how dark life is or no, no matter how um, distressed things seem for you right now or no matter how bright and how hopeful you may, may feel that there is only one source of our hope as, as people, um, and that source is Jesus Christ, and that he has come um, to fulfill his promise to bring light into the darkness, and, and that we can live in, in response to that. We can live in that light even as we live in a darkened world. So I just hope that, that you would hear that today. So let's go to Luke chapter 1, um, and we'll start in verse 5. I'm going to try to read fast because we don't have a lot of time. Um, but, but I'll try to read it clearly. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Um, so I just want to notice right there that, that Luke says that they were righteous, um, and, and in Genesis, we hear that, that Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And so when we hear that these people were righteous, I think a big part of that is that they believed God. Um, and we're going to see that as we go through the rest of it. Um, so they didn't have a child, and they considered Elizabeth to be barren. They were old. They didn't have a baby. They kind of thought that was, that was going to be the, their lot in life. Um, now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he had... He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel, an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. If you saw an angel, that would be a fearful experience. You, this is a, a, a being that you have never experienced, and that, that, that Scripture talks about in all these these uh, uh, ways that, that are just kind of hinting at what an angel looks like. It's something we can't even imagine. So Zechariah rightfully was troubled and, and, and concerned. And, and the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Because even though when we see angel, when, we, when, you, when someone sees an angel in Scripture, or when, when God speaks to someone, it's a fearful thing, but it's also, um, there's always that word of, of comfort. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. 
and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and, she sh and you shall call his name John, and you will, have, you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am old, I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And so the angel comes and tells Zechariah that he's going to have this child and he's going to be named John and that he's going to be the one that goes ahead of the Messiah, the one that was promised who would come and rescue God's people. Um, and, and Zechariah says, well, wait a minute, I'm old. How's that going to happen? And so because of that, the angel says, well, you won't be able to speak until it happens. Okay, so let's fast forward now. So Elizabeth does conceive a child, and she does carry that baby. And in fact, we, we have a story that we're kind of skipping over where Mary comes to visit when she's pregnant with the baby Jesus, and it's, it says that, the, that, that John leaped in her womb, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit at the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, um, the baby in Mary's womb, um, just as the angel had said. <clears throat> so she does have a son, and then when the people come the, the baby is born, and the people come, and they, 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 wanna, they say, well, what are you going to name him? They expect her to name him something after his, his father or after someone in the family, and she says, his name is John. And the people are confused by that, and so they ask Zechariah, assuming that he's going to say, no, no, name him after me, but he writes down on a piece of paper, because he can't st speak still, his name is John. Um, and immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue loosed, and he spoke Blessing God. And so, so, so John, or Zechariah hasn't been able to speak for this whole time, for at least nine months. Um, and now, as soon as his mouth is opened, his tongue is loosed, and he can speak again, he blesses God. And so let's read what Zechariah says in chapter 1 of Luke, verse 67. Uh, and his father, Zechariah, John's father, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Now he's talking about John. For you will go before the Lord, the Messiah, Jesus, to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so there's just a couple of things that I want us to see here. Actually, three things that I want us to see here in what Zechariah um, 
proclaims. And, and as we read this in Scripture, and maybe I didn't do a great job reading it, but it almost feels like he's singing. He's just putting out this poetic um, proclamation of what God has done. So I want us to see the source of Zechariah's hope. I want us to see the object of Zechariah's hope. And then I want us to see the call of Zechariah's hope. And as we see it, um, we should also see that, that Zechariah's hope is our hope, that the hope that he has is the hope that now we, we can have as well. So let's look first at the source of his hope. Um, in verse 70, he says, as he spoke by the mouth of his prophets. Um, so Zechariah's hope and what he has been, been waiting for, he's a man who, who knows about waiting, right? He's a priest. He's a, he's a faithful, righteous man of God's people, a priest who's been waiting with his people who have been rebellious against God and now have been uh, ruled by dictators and, and, and foreign, foreign uh, oppressors for hundreds of years. And they've been waiting for this salvation that God promised to them. Um, he's also been waiting. He's a man who's advanced in years, and, and he's been waiting. It, it says that God heard his prayer. He's been praying all these years for a child, and so he's waited in that way. And now, even immediately, he's been waiting because he hasn't been able to speak. He's been waiting to speak and say what God had, had said to him, what God was doing. Um, but his hope, the source of his hope, is God's own word. God is the one who has said what he will do and so that's where Zechariah's hope is founded and rooted and anchored. Um, he has spoke, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets of old. Um, and as, as Eric mentioned uh, earlier, um, throughout the Old Testament, from Genesis on, we have prophets who, who, who say, there's one coming. God's making this promise. God's going to save his people. God's going to come and rescue us. God will visit us. Um, and we see that in Isaiah that we read from. We see that in Jeremiah. We see it in Micah and Hosea and many others. Um, and you can, you can look those up um, at home, and it's, it's awesome to see the, all the promises that God made and has fulfilled. Um, he also says that he's, his hope is also rooted in God's covenant. So God himself made a, a, a binding promise with Abraham. And the amazing thing about the covenant that God made with Abraham is that God was the one who fulfilled it. Um, usually with a covenant in, in those times, both, both sides would have would have their responsibilities to fulfill, and the greater, or the lesser of the, of the parties would, would be, have obligations to the greater. And yet in, in the situation of God and Abraham, God, who is the greater, made the, made the promise that he would fulfill it, and God is the one who fulfills the requirement of the covenant. And that's obviously important as we, as we learn about Jesus more. Um, so God's own word is the source of our hope. Um, as, as people who who live in, in a fallen wor world, it can be very, very easy for us to get distracted from the reality of what God has said. Um, it can be very easy for us to believe that the things aren't going to be the way that God said, because if we are always focused on, on what we see around us, um, it's very easy for us to lose hope and lose heart. But, but, but we have God's word. He's given us his word. Um, he's given us his word in his, in his scriptures, and his prophets. He's given us his word in his covenant. And then we'll see the object of our hope. He's also given us his word um, in, an, in a new way. Um, so in verse 68, Zechariah says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Um, and notice that's the past tense. He has visited and redeemed. Um, Zechariah believes God, 
trusts God and knows that when God says he will do something, that he will do it. And so when, he, when God said that your son, you're going to have a son and that son is going to be the one who points, who prepares the way for, for the Messiah, he believed it. And so he can say it as if it's done, even though Jesus hasn't been born yet at this point. God has visited and has redeemed. Um, and so that, that visiting and that redemption, that redeeming, those are two concepts that I just want us to, to learn a little bit more about, especially in this Advent season. So the visiting refers to the fact that God God didn't just send someone, you know, a spokesperson like he had done with the prophets, but God himself visited people. God himself became a man in the person of Jesus. Jesus, who is the the eternal son of God, um, became a man, humbled himself, and became fully obedient. Um, Jesus, fully God, fully man. That's what we talk about, that's what we mean when we say the incarnation, that God became a man. So God visited us. Um, in John, it says that, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is God's Word. Jesus is God's Word in flesh. Jesus is God's Word visiting us um, as, a, as, as, a, as a man. Um, and, and that man, Jesus, who was fully God, he died willingly in our place. Um, and he de- died in our place to deliver us from the power and the penalty of sin and to bring us back to God. Um, so he himself, Jesus, is our peace. Um, God himself, Jesus, God's word made flesh, is the object of our hope. Um, he's the fulfillment of all God's promises to visit, to, to save, to forgive, to redeem his people. And it is to redeem a people for himself. Um, and we're going to see later a people for his own possession that, he, that belongs to him. Okay, and then the third thing I want to see is the call of, of our hope. Um, and the, the hope of the gospel calls us to respond by living in a new way. And Zechariah talks about this um, in verse, verse 77. To give knowledge of salvation. This is what John is preparing people for. He's going to go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Um, John was sent to preach repentance. Um, He was sent to tell people, the king is coming. Repent, turn from your sin, and turn to God, and prepare yourself for him. And then Jesus came, after John, Jesus came, and he began preaching, and I believe it's in Mark's gospel, it says he he began preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. So the first uh, command is to repent, to turn from our sin, and turn to God, and believe the gospel, believe the reality that God himself has come in human flesh, in Jesus. Um, so, so when we repent, we recognize our rebellion, um, our, our sin against God, our separation from God because of our sin. But then we recognize his mercy, as Zechariah goes on, because of the tender mercy of our God. We're forgiven because of God's mercy, not because of our goodness, not because we did anything. In fact, our repentance is a gift of God, that he calls us and we, we recognize our sin and turn to him. It's a gift of God. So having been redeemed and set free, we're now called and empowered to serve God uh, without fear, Zechariah says, we would serve him without fear um, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. I just want to notice also in verses 77 through 78, as I read this, I just want you to listen for who's doing the action. Uh, To give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins 
because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us on, from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. That it's God who's doing the action here. It's not us. It's not people. God is the one who is forgiving. God is the one who is merciful. God is the one who is bringing the light. God is the one who's guiding our feet in the way of peace. So the call of our hope is dependent on God, um, who also happens to be the source and the object of our hope. Um, and so if you would go with me, oh, two more places. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. And we were just here a few weeks ago as Andrew has been preaching through uh, John 14 through 17. Um, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I, may, where I am, you may also be. So Jesus himself promises now that he came and he died, and he resurrected, and he ascended to the Father. But before he ascended, he promised that he would come back, that he's gone to prepare a place for his people, and he will return to take us to be with him forever. Okay, so the final thing I want to do is go to Titus chapter 2, in our final moments here. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. Um, In this passage really, in a lot of ways, echoes exactly what Zechariah has said and what we just read in Luke chapter 1. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, not just for the, for the Hebrew people, not, not just for the children of Abraham, but for all people, for all the nations. Because the covenant that God made with Abraham was that he would, he would send someone from Abraham's family to, to bless all nations, um, that, that, that through this Redeemer... All the nations would be blessed. All the nations would be able to come to God. So the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. So, so we're still in that fallen world. We're still, in some senses, waiting, right? Jesus has gone, ascended. He's gone to the Father. Um, and we're waiting because he promised that he would come again. Uh, but we're not waiting in darkness. That light has been shown to us. We, we're, in, we're in this world where there is darkness, but we have the light of Christ. We are the light of Christ, Jesus said, that you are the light of the world. Um, so, so we are the light in the darkness if, if you are in Jesus. Um, and what I want to see in Titus is that, that dependence on God, that, that, that call of our hope, dependence on God is not inactivity. Dependence on God is not just laziness. Dependence on God is an active waiting. As we wait for Jesus, we are active. We are, we are living in dependence on him, and he has, he has given us something to do. Um, but, but what we do is, 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 who we, is because of who we are and what he is doing in us. So he's called us to active repentance. In verse 12 it says that the grace of God tra- is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. 
And so we should be asking ourselves, as, as, as people who have, have repented of our sins daily, we need to ask, ask ourselves, what, what ungodliness do I need to renounce? What worldly passion, what thing am I following that isn't God? What thing am I, am I putting my hope in that isn't God? And I need to turn away from those things. I need, to, I need to go back to the gospel and remember that God is the one who has done it. He's the one who has called me. He's the one who is holy, and, and he's the one who empowers me to live a life of holiness and righteousness before him all my days. Um, because of the new covenant of Jesus' blood, um, he, he sent his spirit as a guarantee that he will come back. That, that God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, eternal God, has, has taken up bodily residence in, in his people. He is, he, is, he is located here with us in, in each person who is in Jesus. Um, so, so if God has given us his Holy Spirit, he, it's a guarantee that he will come and, and redeem us and, 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 and take us to be with him um, for eternity. And then, because of that, we are a people for God's own possession, as Paul ends this um, this passage. We're a people for God's own possession, so it means we're confident. We belong to him. Because of what Jesus has done, we belong to God. We're his people now. Um, and then it says that we're to be zealous for good works. And I know we're running out of time. We're just, just about to 25 minutes. Um, and so I'll wrap this up quick. Uh, but, but zealous for good works, what are these good works that we're to be zealous for? Um, and I think there's really, there's really one answer to that that then includes everything. And that answer is to live a life of worship to God. To live a life in light of the coming of the end. That Jesus is returning. That he will come back. And so we're to live our life in light of that reality. We're to live our life expectantly. Not just waiting like, like you're sitting in line somewhere waiting. When is this going to be over? But waiting expectantly. When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Am I ready? And when's Jesus coming? What is Jesus doing now? How can I be at work and doing what Jesus wants, wants me to be doing? What is Jesus doing in me? What is Jesus doing around me that I can be a part of? Um, so it's an expectant waiting that, that, we, that we live in. And it's a, it's a, it's a, wor- a life of worship. Um, and if we're living a life of worship, then, then we will be living a life that is light in the darkness. If we're, if we're always seeing the goodness of God and, and, and telling of his goodness, if we're always um, to each other and to, to, to our friends and neighbors, if we're always recognizing what God is doing, um, helping people to see his light rather than the darkness that, that is so prevalent around us, um, that's worship, but that's also evangelism. That's, that's taking the word of God to people who don't have it. It's taking what God has said and telling people, here's what God is doing. Here's what he has promised. It's holding out that hope of eternal life that we have. Um, and it's also discipleship. Um, it's also looking at who, who, in, who in the church, who in my life has God um, given me an opportunity to love and serve uh, by helping them grow in the gospel? Who has God asked me to lay down, what is God asking me to lay down of my own desires that someone else would be able to see him and follow him. Um, so we should be asking ourselves, who are those people that God has put around us that we can, can pour into, that we can encourage and share uh, the hope that we have? Because I don't know, I know for myself, it's very easy for me to, to lose sight of the hope that I have. And it's such a blessing that God gives his people um, that, that those times where I'm feeling uh, like the darkness is overwhelming, Someone speaks the gospel to me, and it brings that light. It, it dispels the darkness. The light dispels the darkness for me. And so that's a great blessing that we have to be to each other. 
Um, so I would just encourage us, um, who has God put in your life that you can, that you can encourage, that you can share um, what God is doing, that you can help build them up in the faith and in the hope of the gospel? Um, we want to be a people that lay down our lives so that others would know Jesus, so that others would, would follow him, that others would, would live in the hope and have that expectant waiting um, of hopefulness, of, of, of great joy that we have because we are in Jesus. So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, today's the day of salvation. God himself became a man, lived a life of perfect obedience in your place, died on the cross on your behalf to take the penalty of your sins and to rescue you from the power of sin. And he just invites you to turn to him, to repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, and turn to him and receive his free gift. And so I would just, I would just plead with you, if you don't know Jesus, and there's people in this church who would love to, to tell you what Jesus has done, who Jesus is, um, don't, don't walk away and stay in the darkness, but turn to the light and run to the light of Jesus. And for those of us who are in Jesus, Let's live lives of worship. Let's live lives laid down um, for his glory, um, but so that others would know the great hope that we have in Jesus. Let's, let's, let's take the word of hope. Let's take the, the hope of the gospel to the world around us who so desperately needs it, and let's continue to encourage each other and build each other up in the hope that we have in the gospel. Um, you guys are awesome. All you little folks doing a, did a great job. I really appreciate um, just having all the families in here. And I just, I just, I just, I just want to pray for us as we, as we close. Our God, we thank you for the hope of the gospel that you have, have, have given us, um, not only by your, your prophets, not only by your, the, the covenants that we know of from your, from your scriptures, but by, by your incarnate word, Jesus Christ, um, that we know who you are because you have revealed yourself to us. Um, that you have visited us, that you have redeemed your people. And so I ask, Lord, that you would empower us uh, by your spirit, that we would live lives of, of repentance, that we would live lives of, of worship, that we would live lives of, of evangelism and discipleship, that we would lay down our lives so that others would know you, uh, so that others would, would worship and, and love you more. And Lord, we ask all these things in your name for your glory and for our joy in you. Amen.